This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon. Happy Tuesday. Well, it's a bid for a multi-billion dollar mega event that city staff recommended killing. But the question of whether Toronto should go for the 2025 World Expo is on the table at City Hall. The Executive Committee is considering it after Councillor Kristen Wong-Tam gathered the support of 40 business leaders who say they would kick in some cash. And the Prime Minister said the federal government is willing to explore next steps. By the way, that's being characterized as support, albeit soft support. The mayor says we should not go ahead without firm support from both the province and Ottawa because here's what the numbers look like as far as we know. The cost to host the expo, one to three billion dollars. The cost for the bid, well, um, I w- the numbers I've seen, 10 to 15 million dollars, though there are people who say no, it wouldn't cost that much. And the number of jobs created, 92,000 to 190,000 jobs, and those are, of course, jobs for a year. Now, the support for the bid appears to be growing. We want to know what you think. Should we get into this? Should we undertake this mega event that would cost a fortune, but obviously bring some benefits over the course of six months? The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740, fightback at zoomer.ca, and Twitter on Twitter at fightback. Uh, Libby, so uh, make your calls and get in line. Uh, But first, I talked to Senator Art Eggleton, who is also a former mayor of Toronto, and he is among the supporters. And here's what he had to say about an hour ago. I think it's a very exciting opportunity uh, for us to showcase uh, Toronto to the world. Uh, The BBC in the UK just uh, last week said that Toronto is the most diverse city in the world. So let's use that uh, base to bring people in here, expand uh, our tourism uh, for a six-month period, and uh, also could lead to a lot of good investment opportunities uh, for us, and as well as uh, uh, revitalizing uh, the Portlands area. The Prime Minister, in a letter, has said he's willing to do something to help facilitate Toronto's bid, but he wants City Council to make a firm decision that it wants to proceed to do that. So we're in a situation where the federal government says City Hall has to make the first move. The city, or at least the mayor, has been saying he wants the federal and provincial governments to make the first move or the first commitment. So is that a bit of a gridlock situation? Well, that's a chicken and egg situation, but it doesn't need to be a a gridlock. Uh, City Council should make the decision. This this, uh, whole endeavor has started with people in Toronto who want to move uh, this forward. So 
city council should say, yes, we want it in our city. Yes, we want it uh, on the Portland areas. It'll help to accelerate uh, the building of infrastructure down there, and that can leave a terrific legacy for the city. Uh, and the city owns a good part of the land. So that's, a, that's the place to start. Uh, and then, then they sit down with the federal government, the provincial government, following some further feasibility study and uh, work out all the details. And, and the, you know, there's, there's nothing to say that they can't get off, uh, do, take an off-ramp if, in fact, things don't work out. So, people, what do you think? Are you boosters? Do you think it would bring great things to the city? Do you think it would pay for itself? Or do you think that it is another potential sinkhole for a lot of money? And after all, even if the federal and provincial governments do come on board and do make guarantees at the end of the day, that is our money. So the numbers to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-744-740. We want to know what you think. Also, as I keep saying, it's it's a good idea to call in early because people end up calling close to the breaks. Then I have to cut them off. So give you those numbers once again, 416-360-0740, And on the line, I have Richard Joy, Executive Director of the Urban Lands Institute of Toronto. Hi, Richard. Hello, how are you? Fine, how are you? Great, thank you. Well, what do you make of this bid? Well, I think it's a really, really important uh, topic for our, the city to discuss. Uh, and as, as, as I mentioned to your producer, the ULI, Urban Land Institute, is uh, not uh, taking a position one way or another. But what we do insist on is that we have a really intelligent conversation. So I welcome the fact that you're putting the focus on this program. I do think that there are many elements of that intelligent conversation, and hopefully we'll get into some of those pieces in this conversation. But I do think we need to uh, ask ourselves, is this the kind of catalyst uh, that can help city building go in the direction that it needs to go, or is this the kind of thing that skews priorities in ways that it shouldn't? I mean, those are the kinds of things that, that need to be explored thoroughly by city council. Uh, well, it's, it's very interesting because one of the things the mayor has said, and he has said that he's going to proceed cautiously, is that he wants to make sure, even if the other, the senior levels of government are in, that any money they put towards this would not take away from any money for any other projects uh, that he would consider vital transit projects or any other kind of projects. Is, is that what you're alluding to? Well, I, I think in some ways, yes. I mean, is, is this the kind of uh, catalyst? And it will be. I mean, things will happen that might not otherwise have happened or has happened as quickly as a result of a successful bid were the city to win that uh, Expo World's Fair. Um, so the question then is, is are, are these the kinds of things that we do expect to come, uh, the kinds of things the city should be doing anyways? And I think in that regard, I think there's a lot of points that probably will be made very favorably for the bid. The, the waterfront infrastructure, as people well know, probably your listeners, uh, is, is way, way behind. Uh, the, the, we're unlocked. We need to unlock uh, a, a very, very valuable piece of, of our city's real estate that is no further from the downtown than Spadina Avenue is going the other direction. I mean, this is really, really close to the core. Um, and those things have to happen. Now, you can ask yourself whether the expo is the right catalyst to make that happen or not, but I certainly think those are arguments that, that those who are proponents of expo um, can make very strongly. Those are priorities that, that the city needs to embrace. What kind of transit uh, uh 
construction would this spur? Well, there's a whole bunch, actually. Um, we, we have, uh, in fact, the city council coming uh, in June will be wrestling with uh, uh, how to prioritize uh, three lines of, of transit that will, that will implicate the, uh, uh, this part of geography of the city that we're talking about. One of them is LRT across the waterfront. The other is downtown relief line. Uh, and, of course, uh, the smart track. I mean, there's, there's three major pieces of infrastructure that are being contemplated. And, you know, one of the other arguments probably will be made in favor of, of an expo bid is that uh, it might uh, focus uh, the city and province and provincial and federal government, rather, uh, to getting those things done. We are not great at getting plans uh, actually completed. And uh, sometimes having a major uh, urgent deadline uh, is a good way to uh, make sure that they happen. Boy, the waterfront, we've been going around and around with that for decades. Correct. Correct. And, 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 and then this, again, is probably one of the big favorable arguments to, uh, to an expo. Okay. What about, uh, I've, I've seen all kinds of uh, projections, some of which, frankly, look a bit crazy to me. And one of those projections I've heard, up to 40 million visitors over the six-month span of the expo. To me, that looks extremely exaggerated. The most recent expo was in Milan. That is Milan, Italy. That is, a, a, you know, a bigger tourist destination than we are. And that had 20 million over six months. Well, uh, you know, th- th- those are good things to drill into, and I think that uh, I'll leave it to experts uh, b- bigger than mine than I am on on that uh, topic to uh, to examine what exactly is the you know the the, the fair projection of tourism um, during the expos proper. I suppose the lens that I would suggest is maybe the more important one, though, is the legacy lens. What what does it leave behind that, uh, you know, the, the, the one-time party is all well and good, and hopefully it'll be successful. Um, but if it's just a one-time party and we're done, and, and what's left behind is useless or, or not uh, helpful or, again, has taken away from other priorities in ways that are not, uh, you know, uh, proper city building, um, then, then it would be a bad thing. So I think the legacy lens is more important than the, uh, the sort of here and now uh, tourism, but I think they're both, you know, significant things that need exploration. In terms of the legacy, so uh, everyone is saying that would spur the development on the waterfront, but would it spur the kind of development that we should be going after, or will it be something different, again, for this one-time party? Well, uh, again, those are questions that, that need to be looked at. And I think, you know, the most recent experience we've had with Pan Am Games uh, is that, uh, and of course, that was a very different kind of event. Um, but in fact, the, the legacy there uh, in terms of infrastructure built is very much uh, lending itself to things that have purpose uh, going forward. Uh, housing for athletes are now going to be subsidized housing or in some cases market uh, rental or, uh, and uh, condo. Um, so I do think um, that, that, that particularly the transit, uh, the, the, of course, it, that's a lot of the lands that are being considered are currently under a floodplain that require major remediation in order to control that and make them useful, developable lands. Again, lands that are in proximity to the downtown core, as close as Spadina is on the other side. So we're talking about really, really central, valuable waterfront land that is right now useless because it doesn't have the infrastructure uh, in place to, uh, to do things like flood protection. So I, I would suggest that, that again, as I said earlier, those are probably some of the stronger and more positive uh, arguments saying that these are the right kinds of investments. Okay, Richard, uh, let's take a call. We have Paul in Toronto. Hi, Paul. Good morning. How are you? 
I'm wonderful, but I'm I'm a little. Um, all these jobs are always promising. 190,000 jobs, and I I just wonder why are we always just promoting construction jobs, construction jobs, construction jobs? There's no other long-term or knowledge-based economy jobs in that. It, I find it very empty, an empty, empty uh, promise. Yeah, it promotes a lot of uh, consultant jobs. Those are very high-priced jobs. Uh, Richard, do you have a comment about that? Well, I, I do, and I think it's a very good point. Um, but I also would say that, that in and around uh, of exactly the geography we're talking about in the lower uh, uh, Donlands uh, for uh, this, this site is uh, Waterfront uh, Toronto's uh, a precinct, which is developing out some of the smartest, most sophisticated economic infrastructure that is very much future job-oriented, that's very much future economy-oriented. So I think what this might offer is an opportunity to expand on that vision which is which isn't just jobs to, to build up some you know some some uh, uh, infrastructure and and housing and then they're they're gone i think it has the potential to leave a legacy of 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 the economic uh, kind of future um, that cities like toronto will need to compete into the future paul do you think that's a good enough reason uh, well i'm concerned about all the dump trucks i mean you're talking way down the waterfront uh, how are they all going to get there all the cement trucks everything else it's going to be years and years of um putting up with that sort of tra- uh, transportation log jam uh, until everything is built and that's going to create a, an awful lot of discord uh, among the people that uh, have to put up with that sort of stuff so i find it you know We've been concentrating all our development down to the bottom end of the city for so long. It is so congested. You've got all the athletic facilities there. You've got all the major entertainment venues there. Trying to get it in or out of the city at any time during any of these events is going to be is a, is a mess. It's dreadful. And this is just going to create five more years of more uh, problems. Richard? Well, uh, of course. I mean, as the city builds, we are the fastest growing large city in North America. And with that comes all the disruptions that go with it. Uh, and there's just no getting around that. I will say that, that, that right now, we've, we have built a fair bit on the waterfront because the market wants to go there. Uh, and, but we haven't built the infrastructure, the transit infrastructure that the caller is making the good, very good point about. And, and so we are, in, you know, the whole experience, for example, in Liberty Village is a disaster. Exactly. So we can't, we can't, That's where we're sitting. I was just about to bring that up. Well, we, we could be building another Liberty Village if we're not careful. So absolutely, that, that your caller is 100% right. I will say from the construction point of view, one of the really interesting things about Waterfront, though, is that the uh, cement, uh, to getting the cement to the construction is a matter of feet. Um, we, you know, by ship uh, have the, the, the depots for uh, uh, cement uh, able to service that uh, area of the city's construction uh, without a lot of, of, of uh, vehicles traveled by major construction trucks. So that is one significant advantage over any other part of the region, uh, the proximity to, uh, to our, our cement uh, 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 you know, transfer stations uh, on the lake. Now, there's one thing I want to bring up in terms of the construction. First of all, it's not just the waterfront. Everywhere I certainly try to go in the city, there's construction everywhere. And we had the Pan Am Games, which supposedly was supposed to spur a lot of things. But uh, if if we have tourists who are returning because of the supposed benefits of those games, they're seeing all this construction and having difficulty getting around because of all the stuff that was delayed 
because of the Pan Am Games? Uh, well, um, I, I, you know, I, I, there's a lot there in that point, but I guess uh, I would say that uh, one of the real downsides of any uh, city that's growing, any city that's trying to do major things to put itself on the world stage and so forth, is that there's disruption associated with it, and you have to ask yourself, is is the disruption worth it? And that, those, that's part of the debate, without a doubt. Um, so, I mean, the one thing I would also say about these events is, uh, you know, somebody who does a lot of traveling, as I do, and I'm sure many of your listeners do. When you talk about uh, Canada, you know, it's, it's interesting that, that Toronto, you'd think, would dwarf all other Canadian cities in, in terms of its importance, say, relative to an American uh, city. It's, it's New York, Chicago, and L.A. combined relative to the American economy. That's what Toronto is relative to the Canadian economy. And yet, Montreal, Vancouver for sure, even Calgary are often stronger city brands than, than, than the biggest city in Canada, Toronto. And I, and I find that very, very interesting uh, when I travel to, to, to learn that. Okay, well, you know what? We have to take a break, and maybe we'll take that, that thing up when we come back from the break with Richard Joy. Uh, it, why is that, and is that something that a mega event could solve? Uh, Paul, thank you very much for your call. Thanks, Libby. And uh, I'm just going to give the numbers out again before we take the break. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And we want to hear from you. What do you think? Should we undertake this expensive bid or should we hold off? I'll be back with Richard Joy after the break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about whether Toronto should be going for the Expo in the World Expo in 2025. A very costly bid. I'm on the line with Richard Joy. The numbers to call 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Forty. Uh, also, just a heads up. Uh, next up, we will be talking to Doctor Zach, Richard Joy. You were mentioning that Toronto seems to have a weaker brand identity than other Canadian cities, even though it is the biggest and, uh, dare I say, the most important Canadian city. So, is that something that a mega event like an expo can fix? Well, I don't know that it can fix, and I don't think we should put all our eggs in that basket. But I definitely think that Toronto has never done a particularly good job of trumpeting its brand. We are, you know, as we all know, uh, really the most international city in the world. Every other one of us is foreign-born in the in the region. No other major city in the entire world. That's London, New York, everybody in there can, can boast that kind of uh, 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 you know, demographic and, and those kinds of linkages to the, to the rest of the world. Um, we are a city that, of course, relies on, on, on trade uh, and we rely on the external world to uh, uh, give, make sure that we have a robust economy uh, in all sorts of different ways. And yet, um, we're not maximizing those assets. And uh, I, I would say that whether it's a world event or some other uh, effort, uh, we, we do need to better project uh, who Toronto, what Toronto is and who we are uh, to the rest of the world. And as I said in my travels, which you know, are fairly extensive, uh, I, I feel this uh, over and over again. And I definitely notice that some of the other smaller cities in Canada have done a better job in a relative sense than we have. 
Uh, yeah, but uh, but again, they've done a better job, and the question is why. Let's uh, take a call. We've got Brian in Stouffville. Hi, Brian. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Fine. Uh, my big concern with it is with the Pan Am Games. We know what happened with all these people at the top. They got paid top salaries, huge bonuses, big expense accounts. Why do we have to do that? They say the government's answer is that we've got to pay if we want to get good people. Well, there's a hell of a lot of good people. We'll work for 350000 We don't have to pay them $500,000. And then the same bonus at the end because they did a good job. That's what you get your salary for, to do a good job. And every time we have something like this, the same thing with this liberal government. They negotiate these big, big expense accounts for these people and also huge salaries. Uh, Richard, is that an impediment? Is that... Well, it's a, it's, it's a, uh, and I, and I, I understand where the sentiment is coming from, but it is a, a quintessentially Canadian sentiment. Um, we not only do we chop down top uh, high-growing po- uh, poppies, but we uh, uh, we don't want to pay for them either. And and uh, so I, I, I would say that that the uh, uh, amount of money paid for top talent, whether it's in around world events or other things, is something we should uh, we should fully think through before we uh, uh, leap to the conclusion that that we're paying uh, uh, top talent too much. Brian, what do you say to that? That's a poor answer. <laughs> It's That's an extremely poor answer. I mean, I come from the corporate world. I mean, I know lots of people who would be gladly. The, my big question, okay, you want to pay them $450,000 a year, but why at the end of the term do they get another $450,000 because they did the job well? That's what you were hired to do. Do it well. Why do you need another? Why did they negotiate a big bonus like that? And let's remember, they all got caught with the expense accounts, and they all were were towed into line because of their expenses. I mean, that answer he's giving is very simplistic and is not well thought out. I, well, I will say, that and it's when, obviously he doesn't. Well, let he him let work him in the corporate world at yeah, all. Let, let him uh, let him give an answer to that. It's a you know I look. It's a fair point, and I think that scrutiny on on salaries and benefits and all that is something that should be a huge part of any major undertaking. Um, but it was made a, a panel that we put together last week. Uh, a point that was made by uh, David Peterson uh, was that there's a lot of attention on uh, you know a, a misappropriated uh, muffin, um, but there's no attention to the fact that those games came in on time and under budget, and we don't focus on that. Aspect and it's something I think again as some it, it afflicts us more I think in in Toronto and and in Canada uh, than other jurisdictions. So sometimes uh, uh, you know there's a bigger bottom line than than the indiv- individual uh, remuneration. Well, I, I think you know I I think that when the attention is on a muffin, it just kind of underscores. I don't know the gap or the 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 lack of respect for tax taxpayers' sure, money when you have that. somebody making four hundred grand expending you know a two dollar muffin. I totally agree. <laughs> I know I totally I totally agree. But we do have to look at, at at many many aspects of the financials and coming in under budget. I bet you nobody in your listenership right now knew that of the Pan Am Games because it's not reported and it's part of the equation too. Surely, uh, it it it. It is uh, reported. I guess it's reported uh, afterwards. Right. Right. Okay. Um, Anything uh, to uh, just wrap up? Because we have to go to something else now. Richard? That's what they were hired to do. 
Okay. No, I, my, only, my only thing is to say thank you for doing this. Uh, this this uh, conversation needs all the sunlight, all the critical attention that, that you and your, your listeners are giving it. So whatever the outcome, it'll benefit from the fact that you're doing this. So thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.